Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Malachim Aleph, Parak Chaf, Chapter 20. And today we're going to dedicate our learning to the memory of Maya and Rina D. Zichonam Livracha who were killed in a pigua in a terrorist attack here in Israel on Friday and were brought to rest yesterday on Sunday. And we're going to dedicate our learning to the Rufuash Lema, to the complete and speedy recovery of their mother, um, Leah Batsipora, who is currently in a coma in Hadassah Hospital. And we hope that she will have uh, come out of the coma very soon and return to, to steady and firm health. So here we go with chapter 20 of Malachim. The chapter focuses on the court of Ahav and the uh, two wars between Ahav and Ben-Hadad, the leader of Syria, of what we call in, in the Tanakh Aram, capital Damascus. So things haven't changed a lot. Still Aram, Syria, and the king is called Ben-Hadad. And uh, there are really two, two levels of the campaign. The first time, Ben-Hadad, comes with a coalition of 32 kings to lay siege on the capital, on Shomron, on Samaria. And God saves Ahav by a miracle, saying, you know, I'll, I'll save you, so you should know that there is a God. And indeed, um, in almost a, a remarkable way, Ahav has a victory. In the second story, um, the Arameans come back for more <laughs> the next year and say, well, you know, we only, they were only able to beat us because their God is the God of the hills. But if we fight them on the plain, then we should win. Our gods will, will prevail over, over theirs. And indeed, God turns around uh, to the king, to Ahav, via a prophet and says, no, no, this time I'm also going to give you victory. And once again, the king is victorious. However, there's one thing that Ahav doesn't do. Ahav uh, lets the king live. The king appeals, Ben-Hadad appeals to Ahav to save his life. And Ahav, instead of killing him, Ahav says, Achihu, he's my brother. And he makes a deal with him. He um, makes an economic deal with him. He makes a territorial deal with him. And he lets Ben-Hadad live. And for this, God condemns Ahav roundly. He sends a prophet and gets terribly upset with, with, with Ahav and says, Yan miyad. Since you um, set free the man that I had determined should die or the man who I had trapped, Ahav, your life will be instead of his life and your people instead of his. And uh, the prophet seriously condemns Ahav. So two, two wars in both Ahav defeats Ben-Hadad, defeats the Arameans. However, the one flaw of Ahav reminds us a little bit of uh, maybe Shaul, is that he lets the king live and doesn't uh, end the war decisively. So let's say a word about this chapter and um, the personality of Ahav. You know, if you recall our, our podcast from yesterday, Eliyahu felt that despite the spectacle of bringing 
fire down from heaven on Mount Carmel and having the people say, Hashem, who Elohim, Hashem, he is the God. Eliyahu feels he's failed because Izebel is still in place and Izebel is still married to Ahab and seems to be calling the shots in the kingdom and threatening his, his very life. And uh, this throws Eliyahu into a tailspin and uh, he can't function. However, when we look at this chapter, we find ourselves in the city of Shomron. Now, Eliyahu can't really function there because he's got a death sentence on his head, which is why we see other prophets in this particular uh, chapter. However, if you, you look at the chapter, you see that the prophet keeps on encouraging Ahav. The prophet here is veritably coaching him, mentoring him. If you look at Pasuk Yud Gimel, he says, Hashem. So says God, do you see this, this mass of an enemy? I am going to deliver them in your hands today that you may know that I am God. And indeed, at the end of this um, victory, uh, where we find a division of 273 soldiers managing to defeat 32 armies, and that 273 is so reminiscent of the sort of numbers that we have with Gidon, where Gidon fought with 300 men, and even Avram Avinu, who attacked a coalition of armies from Mesopotamia with 318 men, all around that number 300. And after they, they had this incredible victory, the Navi says, Bolster yourself, because next year they'll be back. And when they come to fight, um, once again he says, because Arama said, theirs is the God of the hills and not the God of the valleys, and therefore we're going to win this time, he says, It's almost as if um, God is, is, sees the potential in Ahav, that Ahav can actually really believe in God, and that if only he is given the right guidance, he can believe in God. And please note that in this chapter, there are no prophets of Baal. There are no 400 prophets. There are, they've all been murdered on Mount Carmel by Eliyahu. We now see prophets of God in the royal court of Ahav. In other words, Ahav is not tone deaf to Judaism. He is not ardently committed to the Baal. That's Jezebel, that's Izebel. Ahav is open to having prophets of God around him. And one might even say that from the vantage point of chapter 20, uh, the spectacle at Tara Carmel, the duel at Tara Carmel, the bringing of fire from God, has been phenomenally successful. It sounds like that the court of Ahav is indeed monotheistic and is very attached to God, and God is courting Ahav here. And in that case, what went wrong? How did Ahav fail in this chapter? So, in the final war of the chapter, we find that Ahab's great sin is that he leaves the king alive. Many people have sometimes compared, you know, ancient warfare to chess. Chess is only over when you get the king, when you kill the king. Likewise, in ancient warfare, you can only prove that you have destroyed the enemy when you actually have killed the king. To be honest, it's true about modern warfare as well. Israel really, really gave a severe blow during the Second Lebanon War to Hezbollah. But they didn't kill Nasrallah. They didn't kill the head of the Hezbollah. And therefore, you know, even though he had lost the war quite severely, 
uh, he managed to stage in Beirut a, a victory parade and to tell to spin it to say to all his leaders they'd actually won. And therefore, by leaving Ben Haddad alive, he's allowing people to understand that Ben Haddad actually won, even though he didn't. Because people weren't there and people don't know. Now, I want to compound this even more because when God accuses Achav, he calls him uh, Yan Shalachta Ish Chermimiyad, the man of my Cherem. Cherem can mean a fishnet, Cherem can mean Cherem Yam, Cherem uh, can also mean destruction. But listen to this really interesting parallel. I'm going to want to parallel our chapter with the story of Jericho, because in Jericho, Joshua chapter 6, God already gives Joshua the plan from the beginning and says, I have given the city of Jericho and its king and all its warriors in our chapter 2. I'm delivering this entire city in your hand, Vyadatam Kiani Hashem. Just like in Jericho, they surround the city for six days, and on the seventh day, the wall falls down. What do we see here in verse 29 in our chapter? For seven days, they camped opposite each other, and it was on the seventh day that they drew near to war, and the enemy. <laughs> The, the, the um, Arameans fled, and the wall falls down, just like in Jericho. And then the king is cowering there, and if we remember in Jericho, it said, the city should be banned, it should be dedicated to God, everything should be to God. Be careful of the spoils, Pentacharimu, lest you um, be dis- you know, go over the ban. The reason why in Jericho, um, the reason why the, the booty, the spoils of war were banned was because God had fought the war. It's not their war, and whoever fights the war gets the booties. Well, let's take a look at our chapter. Should Achav have won this war? No, I don't think he should have. Ahab should not have won this war because he um, was given this war on a silver platter by God. And therefore it wasn't him to let the king go. This was Ishkermi, the man of my destruction, the man of my trap. The spoils of war, in a certain sense, belong to Hashem. Now what does Ahab actually do here? When Bedad comes out, Ahab takes him to his chariot and he says... Um, I'll return the cities my father took from your father, Ben-Hadad says, and you can set up your own market areas in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria. And Ahav turns around to him and says to him, uh, In other words, they make a deal. They make a, a land for life deal. <laughs> the, the, land, the, the life of Ben-Hadad for, for land, the cities which... Aram had taken from Israel are supposedly to be returned and more than that it's a it's a, a the life of the king for trade so what do we make of this either you can say that Ahab doesn't get it he doesn't really understand or maybe I could say it differently my sense is that Ahab really cares about the strength of his kingdom and the economy of his kingdom and to be honest Ahab isn't very 
principled when it comes to religion. He's very interested in increasing the welfare and the standard of living of his country. But religion is a secondary option. And therefore, if Izevel is, is pedantic and is, is, is very pushy about the Baal, he'll go with the Baal. If Eliyahu impresses him, he'll go with Hashem. Here he goes with Hashem and it's great and helps him win. But if he can make an economic deal, and if he can get cities back from the Arameans, well, you know what? I don't need to take this law, this war so seriously as an act of God. In other words, Ahav is a pragmatist. Now that might be fine in the world of sociopolitics, but for the prophet, this is a total anathema. This is a thorn in the side of the of the world of prophecy because if you've got to take anything seriously, it's God. And therefore, when the king sort of sidelines Hashem, and though Hashem gave him the victory, he sort of, you know, allows the king to get to go away for some sort of uh, future economic and and uh, territorial advantage. Hashem says, I, I, I gave you the entire victory. You were meant to show and you squandered that opportunity. Now I'm going to ensure that you have no more victories, that in the next war you will be defeated by Aram. And if I may just give a spoiler, yes, it is indeed in chapter 22, in the next war against Aram, that Achav will lose his life. That's it for today. Please continue to pray for Leah Batsipora for her return to good health, for her Rufu Ashlima. Moadim Nasimcha.